Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Uh, welcome in. We uh, Last week, I prematurely said, you know, happy Halloween, everybody. If you're listening it to this is, on the yes. happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, yep. Um, and we were like, oh, we'll do something Halloween. And then Casey pitched to me an idea and i was like that yeah so <laughs> that's you know, what we're doing so so here's the thing we had so much fun at least i had a ton of fun and i know you did where we were talking about the disney 100 uh animation short um and we were kind of thinking okay what could be a fun topic and i don't know if anyone else has been able to tell but i think generally speaking we really enjoy our top 10 episodes i just i feel like they give us structure and they give us a roadmap for how to run the episode and so i said matt i said we need to do another top 10 and we're like okay well top 10 halloween i was like no what about like the top 10 like tent pole years most important years in the disney company's history and Matt immediately, I mean, he smiled. He goes, yes, that. Yeah. So and, there's been 100 years. What are our top 10 yeah. years? What's the top 10% of the Disney company? And and we really didn't discuss kind of, and we rarely do this. We didn't discuss how we were going to like form our criteria or form what either of us was going to do. And so I am very excited to see what Matt's come up with. I have a feeling we are definitely going to have some crossover because there yeah. are just some years where it's like duh yeah duh. but <laughs> you the way you put it when you text me i'm going to read what matt texted me here he said um i'm excited to i i went chalk with some i don't know what that means chalk okay, that's with a some. that's a basketball term of like when um uh uh when you're like filling out an ncaa bracket if there's no oh, upsets, it's called chalk. It's like okay. it's called chalk. Okay, so I've never heard that term before. So I went chalk with some, but then he's like, but then I have some oddball years. I don't want to say that I have oddball years, but I've definitely got a couple of like go with me's. So yeah, yeah. so so I think that's where I'm at. So and I also kind of threw in a little bit of like trivia with some of this, like just some like good to know information. Ooh, so yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'm so, excited. So this is gonna be fun. So um, I don't remember the last time we had a good old fashioned top ten. It's been a it's, minute. It's been a while. We gotta we gotta do more of these in the back half. Of the year, I really <laughs> like in, in like you talk about structure, but just like it's fun. It's fun to hear like your opinion versus my opinion where you yeah. have things ranked. I'm sure that that people at home are are ranking their own like ah where would I put this or well, what year and, would I put it in? in fairness I did a top ten re reasons to visit Disneyland so that true. that was mine but other than and then you did a top ten obscure Disney characters that's true my obscure Disney but characters other than that I'm not seeing in the last ten episodes where either of us um, together has done a top ten so yeah this is this is going to be a lot of fun um, I'm I'm looking forward to it so. Uh, Matt, I'm going to give you the honor of starting us off. Okay. Uh, I'm going to start uh, in a recent and, and remember that we also go backwards from 10 to 1, just yes, so everyone yes. knows. So, okay. Yes. So, number right. 10 for me, uh, it's 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 because of one thing, and it is two, the year 2013, and it is because okay. of Frozen. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in looking at it, like looking at the whole Disney company, I'm I'm not sure there has ever been a franchise that has taken over in the same way that Frozen has. Totally where agree. 
um, you know, it caught fire immediately. There are now lands being created. I mean, as popular as Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and all those are, not many of them have a like whole land dedicated to them. And now, while it's not domestic, um, you know, uh, the the international park frozen, I believe it's in like a month or something like that. The the mm-hmm. frozen land opens up. Um, that is now a franchise that has spawned shorts, and I'm sure we'll get a third in the trilogy, and we'll have a lasting legacy beyond just that year. So, you know, really, this is going to be the cow that they're going to milk for a while. You know, we talk about Disney kind of maybe going through a little bit of a rough patch right now. Frozen is a big part of what's sustaining them at this point. So I, I had I had 2013 basically because of the release of Frozen on my number 10. That that's a good year. And when I pitched this to you last last week, 2013 was one of the years that I thought about and I thought was going to wind up on my list. But as you can imagine, when you're dealing with 100 years and <laughs> so many moments to think about, it, it 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 shifted in my criteria. But I do not disagree with that. In fact, as you were talking about it, I think the thought that came to my mind was it's hard to think of the Walt Disney Company and not think of Frozen, not think of yeah. Anna, Elsa, or Olaf, and to realize that that was only ten years ago. Ten like that's years. like that 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 that's only ten percent of the time that this company has been on this planet and been 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 around. Yet it has had such a lasting impact. So I'm I'm with you on that one. I can definitely feel that. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's your number ten? Well, I'm gonna go super simple on this one. I know it's weird to think that this is the number ten spot for me, but in terms of everything else, it is, and that's 1937, uh, the year that Snow White and the Seven Dwarves premiered. Now, did you have that so on that your list? Gonna, that was gonna be my next one. Okay. Um, okay. Same thing like that. It's just a very simple like one event that happened. So go for it. You can. Yeah. Uh, I'll follow yeah. Up. So so 1937 was the year that Seven Dwarves premiered. And when you study the history of um, animation and and what the what Walt Disney and Ub Iwerks and his anime animators contributed to this this art, if you will, when Walt made the decision to do a full feature length film, animated film, I mean, I don't think people fully grasp it, that 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 like, people were laughing at him. Like they were literally looking at him and going, you are going to bankrupt yourself. You are going to destroy yourself. That Any legacy that you've had with Mickey Mouse, with the Alice comedies, this isn't possible. They even called it Walt's folly. And then it debuts. And yes, by today's standards, we can look at it and go, oof, oof. But without it, we don't get Sleeping Beauty. Without it, we don't get Frozen. Without it, we don't get Little Mermaid. Without it, we don't get any of the other stuff that came or after I, it. I don't think we even get any animated, the animated genre. I mean, think Correct. about things like The Simpsons and uh, animation domination on Fox or, you know, a DreamWorks film, Shrek, uh, Trolls, How yeah. to Train Your Dragon. Like this, that year spawned a a yeah. genre of film and um you know we we kind of think of like 1937 and the Walt Disney Company made it, it not really <laughs> and, well, it, and it, the it, success it, of that sustained them for a little bit well the, the success of 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 that sustained the company it allowed them to buy 
their studios in Burbank where they're still at. I think that's the other thing. Um, but here's the other weird thing about this is that Walt then took the remaining amount of money he made on that and went ahead and started making other movies. He started making Pinocchio. He started making Dumbo. He started making, uh, dare I even say Fantasia had was, was involved with some of the profits of that. So again, 37 in a lot of ways is like, in my mind, the tent pole, the very first tent pole um, that really took us down this mainstream feature animation concept. So this is where number nine comes in since we do snake. Um, that's the one tent pole for like the feature animation. The other one, which is just as important. And the reason why 28 is in all of our email addresses and, and, and names, and that's 1928. And of course that is the debut of Mickey mouse. And I'm, it's gotta be on your list. Oh yeah. Yeah. 1928. I, I actually had it a little bit higher. Um, I, I have it, I have it at number five. Okay. I'll let um, you, I'll give you the honors on this. Yeah. One. So I, I kind of, you know, I wrestled with this and, but just kind of went with, what Mickey Mouse is to that company. I mean, that is the company's mascot. Mm -hmm. And to have a character that connects with all ages, because like, you know, as an adult, like, do I have my favorite character in my kids' TV shows? Sure. Do I need a shirt of that character and I'm talking about how great this character is? No, <laughs> I don't. But Mickey Mouse is the exception to that. Like the Mickey icon. Mouse is the one that he's an icon. can, yeah, he's an icon, and yeah. and not just an icon in like the the film industry, but an icon in just like what Disney, wh who Disney is. So I had that one a little bit higher on my list in terms of. Uh, um, I, I struggled with where to put it. I think the way I looked at both of those thirty seven and twenty eight was. They are the foundation that has built everything else. And yeah. the way I looked at it, and I hate to go back to something you just said a, a couple of minutes ago, was as we've gone along, they haven't necessarily been enough to sustain the Walt Disney Company forever, but without them, the Walt Disney Company wouldn't be here. So for exactly. me, it makes sense that they they started as the foundation of my thought process with a lot of the other stuff that I'm going to talk about um kind of coming on top of that if you will I, in fact i'm looking at my list and i don't have anything earlier than either of those two things from this point forward and that's because those are the 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 literally the foundational elements that have built everything else so yeah i'm yeah. with you uh, yeah. All right, Matt, what is your number nine? So nine was Snow White. And then okay. I, I have a cop out at eight. Uh, <laughs> I have 1923 as one of the best years because okay. that's when the company started. Oh, um, oh. I, I that's was, fair, I, I guess. I was I mean... having some problems like figuring out like, oh, how do I justify this? And some of it was like, I think the mid 2000s were a great time to be a Disney fan and go to Disney World because it was this really unique experience, but I wouldn't necessarily call that like the best time in the company. Um, hmm, uh, so like that's, yeah, I had, I had like a, a mid two thousands. Cause like when I went to Disney world, it was awesome. Well, it's like, funny. Can I, can I give you my number eight with that? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Cause I have two, this is a go with me, but it's a 2006 to 2008. And I think there's a very specific reason why you feel the way you feel. Now, mind you, I had never been to Disney at this point. Mm 
Okay. okay. But there's a reason why people like you and many people, millions of people around the world, look at that period of the mid 2000s, 2006 to 2008. That was the year of a million dreams. That was that magical period that launched at Walt Disney World and Disneyland where cast members could walk up to you and just give you something and say, here you go. And it might be a free fast pass. It might be a free stay in Cinderella suite. It might oh, be, man, you know, a $500 that... gift card, right? So when we, I think a lot of people, when they think about that magical time of Disney, that is a big part of that right there. The year, it was a huge marketing campaign. McDonald's got in on it as they usually do. Coca-Cola yep. got in on it. A year of a million dreams. It was so big. It ran from October, 2006 until October, or I'm sorry, till December 31st of 2008. It was two years. That's why it goes that stretch, 2006 to 2008. I, I And again, I put that on here. It's at number eight because it's not really high up on my list. But the park experience is so important that I, I had to throw it in there. That is just lodged in people's memory. We are we are transitioning this uh, very well because can I give you my number seven? Yeah, please do. <laughs> is actually two thousand six. Um, okay, okay. Um, for for that reason, um, the year of a million dreams I had on there, but then also that was when Disney officially acquired Pixar. Interesting. And um, and so that was to me, I mean, it, it, what Pixar has been able to do uh, for that company. I mean, basically, I know that Pixar was its own entity, but it still was a Disney like, mm -hmm. you know, connected with Disney. You want to look at the rough patch that Walt Disney Animation Studios had between the year 2000 and 2009. Pixar was what was those were the animated films that people, people were going were to go watching. See. There's that story of of Bob Iger, which I'm going to get to Bob Iger later. Um, there's that story of Bob Iger who's standing in the middle of Disney's Hollywood Studios watching the parade of Pixar characters, the Pixar parade, and going, all of the this, all of the characters these kids are cheering for are Pixar characters, and we don't own them. And that was his moment of, we have got to get these characters under the Disney wing, even though they were somewhat like it was the Disney Pixar, but it, you know what I'm saying? It's just that that was his decision. So I'm with you on that one, 100%. Yeah, so that was that was that one. I threw around the, the one that I was like toying with to, instead of doing 1923 and I couldn't bring myself to do it was a take of like 2002 with Stitch being the reason that the Walt yeah. Disney company was able to survive. I'm like, I can't do it. I got, I'm no. just going 1923. It's fine. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Um, I'm going to give my number seven. Yeah. Number seven. Okay. So this is another go with me. Um, it's actually a total of five years, but there's okay. a reason they're connected. And I want to see if you can guess. 1944, 1984, 1997, 2010, and 2019. Uh, is that CEO changes? No. Okay. Any other guesses? I don't know then. <laughs> All right. That was my one guess. <laughs> this is the evolution of what has kept Disney IP so scarce and so valuable this is the evolution of the disney vault oh 1944 okay. was the first ever re-release in theaters um of snow white and that continued for 50 years i'm sorry 40 years until 1984 when vhs first debuted you know what the first vhs video ever was that was released okay so for, for disney 
Uh, wait, before Disney? No, for Disney. Oh, for Disney. Okay. So Black Cauldron was 85. So what was the movie before that? Uh, Winnie the Pooh was 77. And there was a film in between that. Oh, what is it? Um, oh, you're going to tell me and I'm going to, I I know I have those two dates, those two dates, but there's stuff in between there. It was, um, it was Pete's Dragon. Pete's Dragon would not Pete's have Dragon. gotten that one. <laughs> yeah, Pete's Dragon was the first video released on VHS really? for the Walt Disney Company. Huh. That that sustained, and, and I know all of us, for those of us who grew up millennials, we can remember when something would come out of the vault on VHS, the Beauty and the Beast, the Aladdin, the Little Mermaid ended up being one of the biggest ones, right? Yeah. Then in 1997 was the first time it was on DVD. And he guesses on what the first movie out of the vault on dvd was oh out of the vault on dvd uh because i know 97 would have been um it's an older one it's an older one uh let's go with uh let's go with cinderella Chim chimney chim. Oh, Mary Poppins. Yes. First movie out of the vault, 1997 on DVD. Okay. Then in 2010 came Blu-ray. Any ideas what the first Disney movie out of the vault on Blu-ray was? I could give you a hint. It's a holiday movie. A holiday movie. Um, let's go with uh Nightmare Before Christmas. No, it's a Christmas Carol. A Christmas Carol. Oh, okay, okay. Finally, and then of course 2019, which we have absolutely discussed really at that point the discontinuation of the vault because at that point everything becomes available yeah i put this on the list i put those five dates in disney history on the list because in my personal opinion without the vault you don't develop the type of supply and demand that disney had for its intellectual property and without that supply and demand i don't think you'd have this perception of value of valuable of limited of if i don't get it i'm not going to get it i think not only does that have to pertain to this being able to see or get the movies but i think the idea of disney on a merchandise also yeah. somewhat arrives because of that does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, VHSs are starting to come back in value a little bit. Like we're not talking like thousands <laughs> upon thousands of dollars, but in all seriousness, like your old Disney VHSs might be worth something because it has now become a collectible piece of merchandise yeah. that um, that be- it has a like just because it looks cool. <laughs> so yeah. even though you can't play the movie, it just looks very cool. All right. What is your number? That was you had a seven already. So you're at six, yes. right? Okay. So I'm at so six we're... now. Um. So we're yeah we're through seven on both of them. So okay. Let's see. I have, I have number six as 1971 when Disney World opens. All right. I had that at my number four, but okay. same idea. Okay. Yep. Um. Uh. Then 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 go for no, it. No. Go I'm ahead. Gonna... I, I I spoke a lot on that last one. I'll, I'll fill in any gaps. So so um, the 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 post Walt era. And like before Eisner area era does not have a lot in it. Um, like I felt of like years that I really felt like were like, there's not a whole lot of tentpole franchises. Winnie the Pooh is really the only one you can kind of get. And to me, that's not like a Winnie the Pooh is great. Has done a lot for the Disney company to me, did not warrant a tentpole best year ever, but there's no denying that the opening of Disney world uh, uh, is it's not just um, 
something that the Walt Disney Company did, but it was honoring Walt's legacy where he was planning this when mm -hmm. he was alive. And this was kind of like seeing that dream come to fruition and um, now has become, you know, really, you know, you got California and Disneyland has its own kind of vibe to it. And Walt Disney World has its own kind of vibe to it. I'm, I'm glad that you just corrected your, I was going to correct you there for just a moment because you said the opening of Disney World. It's the opening of Walt Disney World. Yes, That's, sorry, Walt it's, Disney but World. But it's very important because Roy was very specific. It was going to be called Disney World, the kind of model Disneyland. And Roy was like, no, we are going to honor the man. It's Walt Disney World. You know, I remember our friend and in previous guests on our pod from a few years ago, Lou Mangello, he did an episode on this where he's like, look, he goes, a lot of people, especially a lot of younger guests, they don't understand the significance of calling it Walt Disney World. And I I really do try my hardest in everything I do when I talk about it, when I write about it, when I advertise about it, it's not Disney World. It's Walt Disney World. This is Walt's, this is the envisioning of Walt's dream. So I'm with you. It was my number four. Um, I, there is no denying the impact that that location that 40 square miles of property in the middle of central florida has had as a vacation destination not just in this country but in the world yeah you know people it is a dream i i sometimes i think you know i go down there so much that i forget that i am a very lucky and privileged individual to be able to go more than once a year and even those people who go once a year or even once every couple of years mm -hmm. some people they go once and that's it it's their life it's their life's dream to make it down to walt disney world that's a pretty spectacular um place to be and you know i often wonder matt could there ever be another place like that no matter how hard universal tries and how amazing universal is could there be another place that's so ingrained in American culture that has this, you've made it when you've made it to Walt Disney World mentality? I don't, at this point, I don't think so. I don't, I, think, I, so I don't think you can build something that would be like that. And I don't think that Universal will, will ever get to that. Again, mm. and that's not a bash on Universal. Not at all, no. It, it just is like, that is what Walt Disney was able to cultivate. And, yeah. and I think what we forget is, you know, in the grand scheme of like, you know, time, Walt Disney did not die that long ago. Like when I, when I um uh, was at the senior living place and I was working there, one of some of my favorite stories were talking about like with people, I had a resident who was from California and she was like, I remember the day that Walt Disney died. Well, okay, so that's a great segue because that's my number, that's my number six, which is oh. 1966. Okay. The 1966, specifically the year that Walt dies. That, 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 and I, I want you to continue your story, but I, I want to put and frame it in the context of 66 was a highly significant year for the Walt Disney Company because for the first time in their founding, they were without their leader. They were without them. You know, that Roy was still there, but Roy was getting up there in age. Let's be honest, right? But Roy was never the imagination guy. Roy yeah. was always the numbers guy. Roy was always the, hey, Walt would go to Roy and say, Roy, I want to do this. Tell me how I can do it financially. And yeah. he was the one who figured out how to make it work financially. But for the first time in their history, they were without a a uh, the, the head of their company. And, and I, I will say this, that um, 
the company could have tanked. A lot of companies tank when their founders, the the, the visionaries, die. Back to what you were saying, though. Um, you're right. It wasn't that long ago, but I do want to point one thing out. The company has 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 now had more years without its founder than with its founder. As of 2009, the company had more years without its founder than with its founder. But that doesn't mean that his legacy is not there because like you said, there are millions of people who remember when Walt died. Yeah, but no, I, I wonder, that's one of those that I wonder with as we move on with time where there are still plenty of people that that were alive when Walt Disney was running this company. Yeah. And as that generation starts to die and we get these generations that are the generation off of that several at this point i mean exactly. basically any boomer any basically any i'd say younger um xer any 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 younger generation x all millennials all gen z and and later none of us were around with Walt. It was boomers and before, right? Boomers, I think, are probably the ones who recognize and remember him the most because they were kids. They they were a direct uh, recipient of the magic that he himself created, right? Yeah. The rest absolutely. of us, unless we have chosen to um, study his significance, we, we you know a lot of people don't really remember that. I am going to make a statement a little bit later in the show that I think is probably going to be somewhat controversial um, when I give you my number one um, that kind of revolves around this topic. So teaser coming soon. Um, <laughs> what is your, did you give me your number six already? I have not given my number six. Um, okay. So I have here, um, I have here 2009. Um, this is the acquisition of Marvel. As well as that was my number uh, two. So yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, but I, I think also not just Marvel. This is when Walt Disney Animation Studios animation starts to come back. Okay. This is Princess and the Frog. This is <clears throat> Tangled comes a year later. Like this is now Disney has gone that. through the yep. rough patch. Now, now they are hitting their stride. And then I, I'm starting to get to the argument. Um, I'm working on my my take of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Infinity Saga, so just those films, might be some of the greatest storytelling in film history. 100%. 100%. This is why I have it as my number two. I, I didn't have the animation part of it, which I think just adds even more clarity. Yeah. But the reason why this is my number two, Matt, is the acquisition of Marvel. The acquisition of Marvel and the decision by Marvel Studios in combination with Walt Disney Company to literally do something that no other film has ever done to the level that they did it, which was to tell multiple crossover stories through independent blockbuster films that were on a whole, with, with very few exceptions. I think maybe there are two or three exceptions out of the entire 23, up, 23 movie series that didn't do great. They still did well. They just didn't do great like the rest yeah. of them. To be able to achieve that level of success, to be able to achieve that level of storytelling, to be able to achieve what they did, and literally in a collective moment in 2019, stop the collective world with um, Endgame. In, in, in that period from 2018 to 2019, because I think it was 2019, 20, 2018 to 2019, where you have that period of what happens with the infinite, the 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 um, Avengers 
gosh, Infinity War. Infinity War, thank you. And then Endgame, that moment of a collective breath of what's going to happen. Again, I don't know if we're ever going to see that ever again, Matt. Yeah, I mean... It's even we've talked about it with the and I, I misspoke. That was my number four. Number five was uh um I had Mickey Mouse there. So um that was my number four was Got this it. Marvel okay. acquisition. Um I, I I've said this before. I almost feel like when when the next generation of seeing these Marvel films, you have you 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 have to wait a year after you watch uh Infinity War. You you just have to do it. Because to have like, that bated breath of oh, what it was because yeah. because it wasn't just like we we were anticipating this movie, and I'm getting chills talking ends. about this right now. Yeah, it ends. Yes, and you're just sitting in the theater going, "It's that it, it's what that eerie silence that moment of they don't have any background music when the snap happens and the fading into dust happens. It's that." That's all yeah. you hear. And then of course when 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 Spider-Man goes. Yeah. And, and and Tom Holland's completely improvised performance. I don't want to go. I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Like and you're in tears and you're like and you see and you see um uh, Black Panther disappear. Yeah. And and all you uh, it, 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 you just hear Captain America go, "What is this?" Basically, I think that's his line is, "What is yeah. this?" And that's it. It just boom, you're done. Yeah, and now done. you have to wait a full year. I mean, I literally got goosebumps right well, now. And then oh. the payoff of it. I mean, nothing is going to match what Endgame was in the theater. Like that final third oh. of the movie, when when Captain America raises Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, yes. like the the crowd just is going. Have you ever bonkers. watched those? crowd reaction oh yeah oh they yeah come, the they time. come up at my facebook feed every once in a while and i i purposely still watch them the moment that cap is exhausted and those holes start to appear yep. and and you hear you hear falcon you hear sam go on your left yep. and the crowd goes nuts and yeah. then all of a sudden these heroes just step through I, I, i'm getting emotional talking about it but just from a financial perspective point of view too that infused so much money into the Walt Disney Company and to allow them to do things that I agree with you. 2009, that acquisition of Marvel um, was such a significant part of what has made the Walt Disney Company what it is right now. So I, I'm with you. Um, okay, so what do you have left? I have my five. I've got, I've got three left. Yeah, I've got three left. I got my five, my three, and my one. Do you have anything uh, later? So let's go five? your five. Okay. And then we'll each do our threes. I'll do my two and then we'll do our ones. All right. Gotcha. Okay. So my five um, is 1955 when Disneyland opens. Uh, that's my that? number three. All right. Well, since it's your number three, I'm going to give that one to you. Okay. I mean. I mean, it, it is what I also want to add. It was also when the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse debuted, which is also okay. a very important part. Yeah. Of that very year, important so. thing. I, I guess. Um. I didn't really have any significance outside of um, Disneyland. That'd be Disneyland. Um, and, and, and that theme parks weren't what you think of theme parks now. Oh, not without at all. Disneyland. Absolutely. Like you're talking kitty rides and all like the fact that, you know, any of these places exist uh you know universal uh 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 um knott's berry farm uh all this stuff it's 
you know, it, it's it's all because of Disneyland. So that's why I had it high up. But I, I think again, so you'd be like, oh, Disneyland opened. And while the opening was unceremonious, um, like and honestly, if you read like the first day, like it was crazy, like you know, the paint asphalt is still you know, drying and all this other stuff, but just what it spawned for the theme park community is what really put, puts it on there for me. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that puts it on there for me too, is that this is the development. This is the first time that like the idea of wed enterprises, which eventually becomes Imagineering, Walt Disney Imagineering is, is a thing. I think similar to the 1937 story of Snow White, people looked at what Walt was doing and, and they questioned his sanity a little bit. Like, is he going around the bend a little bit? Like he's got all this success over here with these motion pictures, with the studio he's built. Why doesn't he just stay in that lane? Why does he want to build another lane and, and make no mistake? This was a completely different lane that no one had really been into. Yeah. Theme parks existed. Even his wife um, Lillian looked at him and said, why would you want to build a theme park? They're all dirty. They're all gross. They're not safe. And Walt goes, mine won't be. I mean, that, that was the, that was the vision that this man had. So then he, he, he literally takes his own money. So he takes his own money and he becomes this, this, this a lot of people don't realize they think of this as the Walt Disney company at first, but this was a completely separate company, wet enterprises. Walter Elias Disney Enterprises. This was his own money with his own profits as the founder of <clears throat> the Walt Disney Company, along with sponsors like the ABC Company, like the American Broadcast Company, who agreed to help put money into this to be able, uh, as long as he produced a uh, TV special called the Disneyland special every Sunday night. That's how we got the Disneyland show. And then by the time the park was opened, Matt, um, they didn't have enough money to build hotels. So they go to, um, uh, they go to, or Walt goes to his friend. I'm going to try to pull up his name real quick. And I think I'm, um, I'm particularly partial to this in a moment because I was just there, but um, yeah. So he goes to his friend, Jack Rather, and says, I need your help in building a hotel. And so Jack Rather builds the Disneyland hotel directly across from Disneyland. They build this monorail and then Disneyland opens. Why is all this significant? Well, you said it. Without Disneyland, theme parks as we know it, Universal, Knott's Berry Farms, Cedar Point. Yeah, Cedar Point existed, but not to the level that it would right now, yeah, right? No, no. Great America, uh, or just generally speaking, Six Flags. None of the the tropes, the, the standards that we know now would be here because they all came from what Disneyland had. And we talked about that last week, the hub and spoke design and, yeah. and things like that. So. 1955 significant year yeah okay uh, so what was your what was your number three okay my number three was 1984 okay this was the year that michael eisner became ceo of the walt disney company under his stewardship he revitalized the brand he oversaw the Disney Renaissance period with the start of the rescuers and then ultimately um, Little Mermaid and then moving on to like Roger Rabbit and all those things, right? The Disney decade, which he'd coined for the 1990s, if you ever have heard the term Disney synergy, that's because of Michael Eisner. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> he oversaw the creation of three 
domestic theme parks more than any other Disney CEO in, in existence. He's the one who saw that. He oversaw um, uh, Disney Hollywood Studios, or at the time, MGM. He oversaw Animal Kingdom, and he oversaw the creation of Disney California Adventure and two international theme parks, which would have been um, uh, uh, Euro Disney and Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, and the Disney store was created under his stewardship, something that touches Matt and I, right? While it doesn't exist much anymore, it was a huge part of kids growing up in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s. Um, and again, like I said, he is the one that created the concept of synergy. He left under probably some some unfair circumstances to him. Uh, he was ousted by some members of the Disney family themselves, um, specifically Roy... E. Disney, not Roy O. Disney. It was, it was Roy's son, I believe, um, was the one who kind of like led the charge to get him out because he didn't like the direction. It was more more profit focused. But that's what happens when you're a public facing company is you become profit focused. It's just reality. Yeah. But you cannot, cannot, cannot deny that if Michael Eisner had not stepped into that role in 1984, and, and I'm going to throw in there, um, I, I believe it was, was it Card, not Card Walker, who was the one he was... Um, um. He was with it was uh oh i should know this i'm just blanking <laughs> it was him and and kind of who died in the in the plane crash i can't remember his name off the off the top of my head but had he he and the the gentleman who was kind of kind of opposite of him not um not stepped in and did what they did um it was frank wells thank you frank, frank wells, wells. Yes, frank thank wells. You. okay they were kind of like the roy and in Walt of the era, the two of them stepping in, they saved the company because unfortunately Ron Miller, who was the previous CEO, he, he just did not have an, have any concept of what that company really needed. Um, and Ron Miller, by the way, was the husband of one of Walt's kids. So that it, it was, it's just this weird thing. You know, Eisner steps in as kind of like the very first CEO that's not in the family name, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Both of my last two are in the nineties. Okay. Um, okay. For, for maybe it's, maybe I'm biased, but um, you know, to kind of play off of that, my number two is 1994. All right. Um, This is the year Lion King is released. And All this right. is on the heels of Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. What I consider to be in terms of a three films and like a three year period, you you can't have more hits than than what these three were under the and, uh, Eisner era, I might add. <laughs> yes, under the Eisner era. Um, so this was you know, and Hollywood Studios had had just opened. Um, clearly, I mean, there was movement on Animal Kingdom by this point. I don't know how public that was, but I mean, clearly there was movement on it. Um, but to me, these the you know, ending with the Lion King. And that film kind of came out of nowhere and broke tons of box office records. Yep. Um, that is kind of what has created, I think, the standard of here's what the modern animation film is going to look like. Um, you know, there's a distinct difference between Lion King and Cinderella or Snow White, like just from a storytelling, from a... But I think if you watch The Lion King and you watch an animated movie that comes out today, the the, the stories feel very similar. Mm -hmm. So I think that these kind of set the standard for what the the modern animation film is. And I mean, th this this launches a huge, huge. I mean, this is the beginning 
and we're mid-decade at this point, but this just propels them into the last part of this Disney decade. And um, there's a reason uh, why this is called the Renaissance era. Yeah, man. I yeah. Mean, it really is. There's a reason why people of our generation, millennials, are so fond of this era. Um, I heard a term when I was out in California I'd never heard before, which was um, uh, movies like The Jungle Book, movies like Sleeping Beauty, movies like Cinderella. Um, they are known as flat animation. And then there that's a certain type of animation technique where less is more. It's minimal. And the movement of the characters on the screen is what tells the story. But the, the images in the back remain flat. And of course, Disney pioneered the multi-plane camera, which helped with that. But movies that you've just described, things like, I would even say Little Mermaid to some degree probably has that flat animation style. But then you start to get into like Aladdin Beauty and the Beast, which was the first to use computer animation, right? Um, and of course, The Lion King. That flat animation starts to go away, and you start to see a much more, I don't want to call it three-dimensional, but it's definitely starting to get there, which leads us to movies like Princess and the Frog, like um, like some of that computer animated stuff that we got in the early yeah. 2000s. So I agree with you. 94 was a very significant year as a way to, it, it, it became this tentpole of the Renaissance era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your number three. I already gave that one. So my number three was the, uh, was the CEO. So I've just got my number one left. Okay. Number one. I'm curious on what we have our number one years. Do you want me to, to hit it off first? Um, yeah, go ahead. I'll give mine. So I have 1998. Um, okay. Um, a little bit, um, of the same thing of, of, uh, um, 1994, you know, this comes at kind of the end of this Disney decade. So in the last eight years, you have seen the release of Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, uh, Pocahontas, Hunchback, uh, uh, Hercules, and then Mulan is 1998. So, um, uh, you know, that, 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 that is a run of movies that, you know, again, regardless of what you think of those movies are, are some of, some of the most successful Disney movies of all time. Then you get 1998 is when Animal Kingdom opens. And, you know, this is, this is now it, it is what the parks are today, especially Walt Disney World. It, it's, um, is another gate. It sets the table for the modern Disney experience of going, you know, going to Disney World and going to four parks and, you know, all that stuff. Um, I just think, I understand there's some bias here. But I think that this, when we talk about, we want the Walt Disney Company to be this. Mm -hmm. I think that 1998 kind of encapsulates kind of what, what we want the Disney Company to quote unquote go back to. And I'm not saying that that hmm. is a correct thing because there's no way we can go back to 1998. The world is different. People are different. What consumers want is different and how we consume things is different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But- I feel like in 1998, Disney had this like, I mean, this was, I, I had 1998 pulled up. I mean, this is everything that comes out in 1998. You have Beauty and the Beast, Belle's Magical World. So you've got a, another sequel that has just come out. Um, you got Mulan, The Parent Trap comes out. Pocahontas 2 comes out. Jungle Book 2 comes out. Lion King 2 comes out. A Bug's Life comes out. Like, I mean, this is, it, you, you, it is not just that these, these, um, you know, these films, uh, these new films are coming out, but they're still just cranking out the stuff that has sustained them for this decade. And I mean, you go, you go back to the list. 
um, you know, the 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 year before Beauty and the Beast Bells Enchanted Christmas had just come out. Um, you know, Aladdin King of Thieves was 1996. And that was the third uh, Aladdin film that had come out. So, you know, you, you really see this kind of, um, I think, culmination of all the success. They were right, you know, riding high at this point. And um, I, I, that's why I have 1998 as my number one. That's good. You know, I, 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 I like where you went with it, which is, you know, uh, for a lot of people, that's like a nostalgia period for them. Um, I, I wasn't there during that period. So for me, I can't say that that's the nostalgia period for me. I definitely think when I think about like movies and stuff, yes, but for the parks, I can't, I, I, I was not in the parks in that time, but I know a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, they really yearn for that. I actually going to look at something here real quick. Cause there was a, um, a CEO of the, of, of the Walt Disney world resort, and his name was Lee Cockrell. Um, yes. people probably know who he is. Um, sounds like you do. Come on, Wikipedia, help me name. out here. Yeah, Lee Cockerell. Why is he not showing up on Wikipedia? So let's do this. Lee Cockerell, <laughs> Wikipedia, the place I can we get spell all his of name our... right. I, that'd be you know, be helpful, but um, okay, so Lee Cockerell. Um, I'm trying to think when he was the, was the CEO. He had a 16 year, 16 years with Disney. Um, Gosh, I've read a couple of his books, but a lot of the things that we associate with the Disney magic, the Disney standard, the Disney touch at the Walt Disney World Resort fell under his stewardship. He was the one that instituted the 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 the, the standards that a lot of the cast members that we think about when we think of cast members had the cleanliness standards, the guest service friendly standards, and he learned a lot of that when he worked at the Marriott company. Um, he tells a story in his book where uh, Bill Marriott, the founder of Marriott, one day was visiting his hotel that he was a general manager of, and he, there were some flies that had gotten into the kitchen. And Lee, at the time, had tried to you know give him some reason why we're there. And Bill just looked and said, Lee, if you've got flies in your kitchen, it's because you want flies in your kitchen. And that lesson has always stuck with me as someone who's been in customer service all my life. Like, don't make excuses for it. It is what it is. Now get them out. Go fix it. Go fix the problem. Yeah. And the Walt Disney Company has been really good about doing things like that under most circumstances. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that that yearning for the way things were in the parks, at least, um, some of that comes from from his tenure and what he was successfully able to do. So um, it's with that said that I want to transition to my number one. Yeah, because please. I think that, in my opinion... Um, on my top 10 list, the most significant year in the Walt Disney uh, Company's history um, in the last 100 years took place in 2005. And that was the year that Bob Iger took over as CEO. Um, he's obviously back. He came back last year, 2022, uh, or maybe early this year. I can't, it feels like it's not even been a year yet. But yeah. he, in 2005, he took over. He had a 15-year stint. Here is why I believe that this is the most significant year. I believe that Bob Iger is the most significant and most important leader in Walt Disney Company's history, even more so than Walt Disney himself. And that's the controversial statement I'm making. I, I love Walt. I, I obviously 
believe and and see him as a visionary and he was the right man at the right time in in history i don't believe walt could do what bob did if walt were the if if the roles were reversed i don't think walt could have taken the company where the company's at now under bob's leadership as ceo he saw he oversaw the acquisition of lucasfilm he oversaw the acquisition of marvel he oversaw the acquisition of pixar which you mentioned of Fox, of National Geographic. He oversaw the opening of what is arguably the most complex international park in the country's, in this the company's history, which is Shanghai Disney. <laughs> and think of all of the amazing technological experiences that have opened up under his tenure. Things like Magic Bands, which we all love, the My Disney Experience app. Um Digital fast pass. While you know it can some people hate it, some people love it. Arguably, it had changed the way virtual queues work, right? Yeah. Um, and then just multiple attractions that opened up under his tenure, be it um Pandora, the world of Avatar, uh, Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, the new Fantasyland expansion, right? All of the tech Bob grew up in Disney. Bob is a Disney kid. Bob grew up through the company starting very early on and working his way up. He gets it. He understands what that company stands for. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't get Bob without Walt Disney, but Bob Iger, in my opinion, is a modern day Walt Disney. He's just different. He thinks like Walt Disney, but he also thinks like Roy Disney. He's a combination of both of those. That's what I think makes him so brilliant. Does that mean I agree with every decision he's ever made? Of course not. I don't agree with every decision he's ever made. There are some decisions, some things he said about the studio strike, for example, that just make me go, what are you thinking, man? He's human. I don't think there's ever going to be someone who's not human. But you know what? There were strikes under Walt Disney, too. People struck him. It happens. So this heroized vision image that we have of Walt, while a lot of it is rightfully so, it's also important to realize that he wasn't perfect and he made mistakes. The same is true of Bob Iger. But in my personal opinion, the Walt Disney Company would no longer be the Walt Disney Company if it weren't for Bob Iger in 2005. It would have been picked apart, sold off to the highest bidder. What is being talked about right now, unfortunately? Yeah. And... Um, that would have happened 20 years ago. That would have happened in 2005. I mean, there were rumors about, about Apple buying the Walt Disney company. At one point, there were rumors about Comcast. I remember them when I was in college, there were rumors that Comcast was going to come in and buy the Walt Disney company, right? Bob Iger prevented that. And I arguably would say that 2005, in my opinion, is the most consequential year in the Walt Disney company as of right now. I mean, think about what Disney is without Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. <laughs> Truthfully, I mean, hundred percent. I mean that that there it is right there. Um, so I, 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 yes to everything that you said. <laughs> yeah. And again, I know it's going to rub some people the wrong way to, to, you know, well, how can you say that Walt was the founder and, you know, the company wouldn't exist without him? And I'm not denying that. I mean, clearly Walt, find, the reason we're doing this episode is because yeah. of Walt. But if you think about some of the things that we even said on this episode, the acquisition of Marvel, the acquisition of Pixar, the, you know, the, the creation of some of the, some of that stuff happened because of Bob Iger. I, you know, there, there's a lot of people in the news right now, a lot of people in the business world speculating who's going to take over her Bob. I don't know the answer to that. I, I, 
of all the people that are out there right now groomed and ready to go, Josh tomorrow, I think, shows some of the most promise, but I don't think he's ready yet. I don't think he's ready yet. He's got the theme park chops, but he doesn't have the movie chops. Yeah. And whoever this person's going to be is going to have to have both. They're going to have to understand both. Or maybe it becomes a co-CEO thing. That's I don't know. That's kind of what I'm wondering, You know, is whether I, you try to find a co-CEO thing. I don't know. That's or you, but, I or mean, you you're spin right. it like, off into is... two companies. I mean, that's the other thing is that has the Walt Disney Company become so big that it's untenable at this point? Yeah, I, that you I, do need to, you know, sell it off to or create an own entity that still is, you know, Walt Disney certified, so to speak. I've used that heavy quotes that you can't see on the podcast medium. But, you know, d- do the parks need to become their own thing or away or... from you know, maybe there's a new type of governing board. I mean, I know it's got its own board of directors, but maybe this becomes a board of leadership within the company, not the board of directors, which is every divisional president, right? Divisional CEO, the division of Marvel, the division of Lucasfilm, the division of Pixar, the di- they're all equally at the table. And then there's a chairman of that particular, I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, this yeah. looks like, but I think sometimes we try to apply traditional rules of other companies to this, but this company has always been in this anomaly and has, has always figured out a way to exceed expectations in some way. Perhaps this is the way for them to do that. But again, I just, Bob Iger, in my opinion, he he's brilliant and he's a modern day Walt Disney. No, I hundred percent. I agree with you. <laughs> What a list. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. I mean, this we was a lot had, of fun to we prepare had, what, for three, and three think or, about. Three or four I, crossovers, but nothing crazy. Yeah. And no, I think I, both I mean, of us had great responses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I mean, honestly, we could go for another 10 and pick out some good years. Like, I mean, it, there's 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 like rough years, but there's there's a you can make a case for a lot of years being a. Yeah you know, highly significant. We could do a, do a, a top 10 times the Walt Disney world was on the brink of, of a failure. That could yeah. be a, that could be a fun episode to do. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I could handle the negativity on that one. Yeah. But, you know, so um, as we kind of get ready to round out and close out the show, it's closing time. Um, if you would like to get a hold of us, you can do that on uh, Facebook uh, at the beers and ears podcast. You can do that on Instagram at beers ears, 1928. You can also email us beers and ears, 1928 at gmail.com um, or visit us at sorcerernetwork.com. Uh, the beers and ears podcast is brought to you by two uh, companies at this point. The first of which is fake sports teams.com Matt's new and up and coming enterprise of selling merchandise with fake sports teams on it. Maybe you're not a sports fan. Maybe you are a sports fan. Maybe you don't want to cause controversy by wearing a particular sport team name and you just want to come up dressed in some kind of a sports shirt or have a sports mug sports uh fake sports teams.com will allow you to um purchase apparel and or uh uh mugs or stickers of teams that matt has created that are of no particular consequence maybe you have a sports teams day coming up in school coming up or at work and you don't want to rep a particular team you just want to rep what looks to be a team and you're gonna get everyone looking you go, who's that who's that what, what, what who do they play for and you say i don't know man fake sports team.com <laughs> or you can just be all up and be like oh you don't know you don't know who they are right <laughs> so fake sports teams.com um i've yet to i have actually got to get over there and, and purchase a couple they look great so um and then it's also brought to you by magical memories by casey uh i am a travel planner 
when you use a travel planner with an authorized agency like Main Street and More Travel, it costs you nothing extra, but you gain all my years of experience. Let me, I'm gonna share with you real quick. So when clients book with me, I provide them a list of um, amazing resources that are available to them. When you book with me, the Walt Disney World resources that you get with me are my Casey's recommendations and what's next, your guide to Disney's Magic Band, which I just wrote this weekend, the essential vacation packing list, the Walt Disney World dining guide, guide to navigating the virtual queue, individual lightning lane, and Genie Plus at Walt Disney World, the Genie Plus guide that Disney has put out, and a detailed guide into a day at Walt Disney World. That all comes when you book with me. And again, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but it makes sure that you plan the right trip. So if you go to caseywoolly.com, you can fill out one of my planning blueprints. Uh, Disney's got a deal going right now, Matt. Um, if you book before the 15th of December, it's called their early bird discount. You can actually save up to 25% off on runes. Nice. Um, I just saw an article by someone who's been, been doing this a lot longer than I have that basically said that if you're wanting to go to Disney, now's the time to do it. These are some of the best deals they've had since 2018. Wow. Um, that's Disney doesn't do that. So clearly... Yeah capacity or uh, uh, attendance is down means capacity is up which means we're waiting for you so let's book the dining okay. plan is the dining plan is back um they're making some changes to disney uh disney genie plus that are coming into effect next year so why wouldn't you plan a trip i'd love to help you with it so uh anything else matt on your end I think I'm good. I think it's time to raise those glasses. Let's do it my friend. All right. This episode has been on us. We will see you again real soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.